Welcome back to another episode of Cass County's HealthCast. In honor of May being Women's Health Month, we're going to hear from Deck Deputy Director Shannon Leitner with the Illinois Department of Public Health, Office of Women's Health and Family Services. The Office of Women's Health and Family Services provides programs, funding, as well as receives funds from the lottery tickets, such as Ticket for the Cure, that helps fund breast cancer education in communities. Cass County is a recipient of this funding. Thank you for joining us today, Shannon. Thank you for having me. All right, Shannon, can you start off by telling us a little about the Office of Women's Health and Family Services and what your role is? Absolutely. So I am the Deputy Director at the Illinois Department of Public Health who oversees the Office of Women's Health and Family Services. And the Office of Women's Health and Family Services is one of the six programmatic offices within the department. It provides a multitude of services aimed and programs aimed at improving the lives of women and uh, infant children and adolescents. And we um, actually have one of the largest block grants. It's a federal grant that goes to states to improve maternal and child health. It's called the Title V Maternal and Child Health Block Grant. And every state and uh, territory has it. And we use that funding to, um, it's pretty flexible funding, to improve things like maternal health, which includes um, targeting health of women of reproductive health age and um, infant and children and adolescents. And then we also um, have programs such as um, the Illinois Breast and Cervical Cancer Program, which provides um, preventive services, screening, and diagnostics for breast and cervical cancer, and a number of other programs and initiatives just really focused on improving the lives of of women, children, uh, infants, and adolescents. And Shannon, why is women's health important? Women's health is important because there are a number of issues that only impact women that need to be addressed and addressed very specifically. Women also have different barriers at times than than men or than children. Often women are caretakers for for both children or grandchildren, but also for their own parents or um, other elders. And so we know that barriers to care prevent women sometimes from caring for themselves. And underlying health conditions that, again, might only impact women or might impact women disparately um, prevent women from uh, caring for themselves or or can can be exacerbated if they're not taking care of them. And we also see things like maternal health and maternal mortality, which, of course, only impacts women or we often say birthing individuals, um, where underlying issues such as chronic disease is not addressed pre-pregnancy where women aren't taking care of themselves and then it just becomes so much more um, exacerbated or worse during pregnancy or in the postpartum period. So it's really important that we try to focus on the needs, the health needs of women and help them prioritize their own health. We also know that for a very long time, research and uh, did, excluded women, and still a lot of t- research does exclude women because there's a concern about um, including women of reproductive health age because of fear of pregnancy. And then we know that a lot of health guidelines, as a result, do not always include um, women or best practices or guidelines for women. And things are changing. We we have seen some change in that area. But you know, for example, heart disease doesn't always um, show up in men and women the same way. So we do need to have uh, different different ways of 
educating people about women's health, different ways of reaching women, and again, different ways of addressing the barriers that prevent women from getting care sometimes. Do you see any like difference in the programs for like the immigrant population? We do have a big um, Spanish and French speaking population with people from, you know, Mexico, um, Africa, and then like a Burmese population. Oh, of course. And we believe in trying to address the cultural and language needs of of any population we're serving and that you cannot have a one-size-fits-all approach to healthcare. You have to um, have some cultural competency and take into consideration what we call the social determinants of health, which include things like language and, and cultural differences, uh, barriers to care. So if someone is um, an immigrant, a refugee, they may have um, legal barriers, they may have fears, concerns, cultural differences that make them approach healthcare differently than anyone who is not a refugee or an immigrant. Um, so first and foremost, offering programs in native languages is huge, but also understanding things like cultural issues around having a mammogram or breast exam by someone who is not of the same gender as them, if, if there is um, modesty issues or concerns, um, issues around asking around sexual history when, when doing any sort of exam or, or a health background or history. Um, there's a, a multitude of issues. You want to make sure you're understanding and that you're informed of the cultural needs. And then, of course, depending on where um, any group is immigrating from and any issues they may have around um, trauma and having a trauma-informed approach um, with any healthcare delivery is, is essential. Uh, so it's definitely definitely meeting the population where they are and, and addressing their needs and incorporating that in the, in the healthcare delivery system. Where does the funding for these programs come from? So there are four primary sources of funding for our programs. One is federal funding from different places within the federal government. Um, so we apply for federal grants and that allows us to uh, fund our programs. Two is state GRF, um, so state general revenue funds fund our um, various programs or provide match funding for our federal grants. Three, you already mentioned the lottery ticket, the ticket for the cure provides specific funding um, for breast cancer, uh, uh, specific uh, breast cancer programming and research. And then we actually receive a little bit of funding from the tobacco settlement um, funds that uh, legacy funding around um, tobacco, and we can use that for public health prevention programming. And what is the service area for the women's programs? So we serve the entire state, but it really depends on the program. For example, the Illinois Breast and Cervical Cancer Program is in every single county across the state, but some of our programs are a little bit more limited depending on funding or need. Um, for the Wise Women Program, which is a cardiovascular prevention, the cardiovascular disease prevention program that is in uh, just a limited number of states. Our family planning program, which provides access to uh, family planning services, it's in, um, it's, it's in some counties and uh, parts of counties, but it's not in the entire state. And then for some programs, we um, don't limit it by county. We just put out a certain amount of funding. We see which entities apply and how much they would request. And then we put out the, 
maximum amount of grants we can. So it just sort of depends on the program and how much money we have to allocate. Is there a cost for these services? So usually no. For example, for the Illinois Breast and Cervical Cancer Program, um, that program provides free breast and cervical cancer screening um, to those without, on, without insurance. Um, for those with certain insurance plans, such as high deductible plans where they have a really high deductible before they can um, reach, uh, before they can access certain services, we provide some assistance. Um, for family planning, it depends on your income. We have a sliding scale. So if you have a little more income, we may have you cost share for some of the services. But for other programs where we're putting out grants around education or navigation, there is not a cost to those services. Here at the Cass County Health Department, we do have the Ticket for the Cure grant for breast cancer education, as well as improving well women visits. Um, so we can assist with any of those, um, trying to schedule an appointment, find a provider, or want more information. And what type of funding opportunities are available for local organizations? So it really depends on the time of a year, what kind of funding we receive from the federal government or from the legislature in terms of our budget and um, appropriations. But any funding opportunities would be available at idphgrants.com. That is our eGram site, and any grant that is open for um, applications posted there, and all of the instructions on, on how to what we're looking for, um, how to apply, it's all on that website. So, in coming up, we it. it we were kind of in, at the tail end of the budget session um, with the general legislature, so we're not sure what our funding cycle will look like, but I would just keep an eye on um, eGrams, again, at idphgrants.com to look for any opportunities we may have. All right. Why does the office specifically focus on cervical and breast cancers? Well, first and foremost, cervical and breast cancers are highly preventable if caught early, and especially cervical cancer now that we have HPV vaccination and really great screening tools. Um, death from those cancers, cervical cancer in particular, is, is, is very, very rare and preventable if caught early. So by getting routine mammograms and um, cervical cancer screening, we can really prevent death. And so uh, focusing on providing access to those screenings is really essential. The other thing is that Congress passed a law that created the National Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program over 20 years ago, which provided states with the opportunity to create their own versions of IBCCP. And so that's where our IBCCP program comes from. And it's really considered a CDC crown jewel of public health prevention program. Um, it's, it's decreased mortality, especially um, across low-income and underserved populations uh, by providing access to these screenings. And again, it's not just screenings. We, we provide access to free diagnostics. So if you need biopsies or um, other types of, of tests to find out what is going on with um, your breast and cervical cancer screenings, we provide free access. And then if you're found to have cancer, um, we refer you to Medicaid so you can receive treatment. So 
it is an amazing program and we feel very fortunate to have it in Illinois. And Shannon, where can people find out more information on the programs offered? So people can always go to the Illinois Department of Public Health's website, which is dph.illinois.gov. And under life stages and populations, there's a section on women's health. And there's also a section on maternal and child health for the programs that are under that part of the office. But also, as I mentioned before, going to our eGram site to find out more about grants and grant opportunities. Thank you for joining us today, Shannon. Thank you. Funding for this podcast was provided in whole or in part by the Illinois Department of Public Health, the Office of Women's Health. The Cass County HealthCast is a project of the Cass County Health Department in Cass County, Illinois. The viewers' thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast belong solely to today's guests and are not necessarily those of the Cass County Health Department. The Cass County Health Department assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this HealthCast. The information contained is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness or timeliness. Do you have a topic or an idea that you would like to hear more about from our team? Reach us at 217-452-3057 or ask for Andrew. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, stay well.